This is Andy Purrawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by trainer Gary Lockett over Zoom. Gary, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to hear. Now, obviously, you're, you've got a fighter on the second lot of fight camp shows starting this, this coming Friday. How is Nathan feeling? How are you guys feeling ahead of the bout with Chris Billum-Smith? Yeah, well, obviously, it's a, it's a very touch, uh, tough match. You know, Chris... Chris is the form man. You know he's had some some really good fights the last couple of fights, and um, you know we know it's a tough fight, but um, these opportunities are what you're in boxing for. And you know Nathan's a very very good fighter himself. He's just never been given the chance to show it, and uh, he's four, 14 and 0. But for the last sort of three years, he's been treading water in these four four and six rounders, and we just haven't really seen the best of him. And I think he's been bored. You know he was a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. And a very, you know, a very talented, uh, multi-titled amateur. Um, but as I said, you know, he's just become a little bit bored as a pro, and he's needed something to, to sort of motivate him. And, and when we got this this offer, I was actually sp um, t uh, talking to Eddie over in Texas when Jay Harris boxed uh, Martinez, and Eddie offered me the fight then. And you know, obviously Nathan jumped at the chance, and uh, you know, we're we're really looking forward to it. Obviously, they was originally scheduled to face each other a few months ago, just before kind of a pandemic really struck and we went into lockdown. How frustrating kind of a period has this been for yourself and for Nathan in terms of trying to prepare for something that you didn't know when it would actually take place? Yeah, it's always frustrating, isn't it? Um, when you're unsure of proceedings, you know, what's going to go on. Um, and of course, you know, it's not just us, is it? You know, we've all been in uncertain times. So I just think, uh, you know, the, the professionality of the boxer, has to, the professionalism has to come in, doesn't it? And, you know, you just has to keep ticking over and keep, and keep concentrating. And uh, that's what Nathan's done. He's kept himself in really good neck. Um, you know, obviously when the gyms weren't open, you know, he was, he was running every day and, and, and doing his own thing every day. But then when things sort of relaxed a little bit and we were able to sort of meet up then, uh, he was... He hit the ground running. It wasn't a case of sort of going from the street into a training camp. He was already fit. So we've been able to work on different things over the last sort of 10 weeks. Um, and, you know, he's been able to improve rather than concentrating solely on fitness. I know obviously he's, he's done some work with Enzo Macronelli, which we'll come on to in a, a little while. But just with regards to sparring partners, how have you found trying to get the, a certain level of sparring opposition in for Nathan to prepare for Chris, given that we was in lockdown and what have you? Not so bad. The past, um, the past sort of four weeks has not been too bad because we've had Enzo there, you know, once, once or twice a week. Uh, and Nathan's been going up to Watford as well. Um, and my friend Mo Pryor has been kindly arranging sparring for Nathan up there. Um, so I couldn't really tell you who he sparred with up there. There's a, there's a, there's a few names um, Nathan would be able to tell you himself, but um, it was all good, good prep. Um, but the main of the sparring has been done with Enzo, and uh, you know people might raise an eyebrow at that, and they might say, "Well, Enzo's thirty-nine, nearly 40 I'll Tell you what, mate, you know, take take no notice of that. You know, he's uh, you know he's, he keeps he keeps himself in superb condition, does Enzo, and he trains every morning at nine o'clock. Uh, he trains like a Trojan. Uh, he's always in great shape, and 
look, it was it, it was very very good sparring, and uh, you know it's like I said to Nathan on the way down. I said you need to prepare for the hardest spar of your life because even though Enzo's trying to help you, right, he isn't going to do it at the expense of getting beat up himself. You know he's going to be he's going to be in there bombing. So you need to be you need to be at your very best just to survive in there. And when we got there, I'd not seen the ring before. It was. Um, I'm telling you now, it was it was probably at the very most twelve feet. You know, you're in the centre of the ring, and 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 obviously, you know, I think Enzo's the puncher out of the both of them, and you know, Nathan was throwing a jab, taking one step back, and he was on the ropes. So you know, it was it was it was a very very good spa, and um, well, all of the spas were very good spas, and uh, you know, it's. There's nothing like there's nothing like sort of preparing for a, for a very hard contest with the, with the perfect sparring, and that's exactly what it was—the perfect sparring for a, a hard, tough contest. And I think obviously Chris is very strong on the inside; he wrestles quite a lot on the inside. And I think this has been good good for Nathan in that respect as well, sparring with Enzo. You know, we'll come on to Enzo a little more in, in, in a little while, like I say. But just to stick with the fight this Friday. I'm sure you know you'd, you'd have seen a lot of Chris. He's been on you know, a few previous Sky shows, so it wouldn't have been hard to get a hold of of a footage to kind of look back over. But what do you expect from him come fight night? What are you preparing Nathan for against Chris? Well, to be honest, you know we've we've kind of just concentrated on on Nathan really. You know, look, we're under no illusions. We know what a good fighter Chris Billum Smith is. I can remember him um, in in the amateurs. Um, and I think he's he's progressed from the amateurs. He's become an even better pro. Um, obviously, he's got a very good trainer in, in Shane McGuigan. He's a good all rounder, isn't he? You know, he can punch. His record says he's a he's a, he's a big puncher. Uh, he's got a, you know a, a decent jab and good all round skills as well. So uh, we you know we're under no illusions. We know what a good, you know what, what, a, what a good fighter he is. And but I think the main thing for us is you know Nathan is very 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 brilliant, very good jab uh, and very talented himself. So I think. We've just concentrated on, you know, keep Nathan keeping his form and not losing concentration, just being 100% disciplined for three minutes of every round. And I think if he can do that for three minutes of every round, then he's a very tough man to beat. We've obviously just saw, you know, this past weekend, the first fight camp show, some, some bouts in particular which kind of caught the eye, especially that headline bout. So when you consider the bout between Nathan and Chris, how do you expect their styles to, to kind of mix? Do you think they'll gel or clash? Do you think there's a do they feel the pressure at all in Nathan's case to kind of live up to what we've just seen his past weekend? I don't really know. You know, Nathan seems Nathan seems really confident. And obviously Chris is going to be confident. He's got every right to be confident. He's the champion and he's coming off some some very good performances. So um I don't know, there there was no obviously Fabio Wardley you know, but that was that was over quite soon, wasn't it? But you know, I can expect I can expect this being a good a good big man fight, um, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully it's good for the fans as uh, some of the fights were the other night as well. Also, from what you did see the other night, Gary, what did you make of kind of a card, especially that headline fight between Sam Eggington and Ted Cheeseman? I thought it was really well put together. You know, considering the times that we're in at the moment, um, there's a lot of you know, even though everyone's been tested, you've got everyone with masks on, and or I say everyone's been tested, everyone's been cleared, otherwise they wouldn't be in the venue. So then still to have the masks on and the people cleaning the ring after every single bout, you know, it seems a little bit of overkill, really, doesn't it? But I think it's only, 
you know, it's only right. I think the British Boxing Board of Control are the best board of control in, in world boxing. They're the safest. They look after the fighters the best. So, you know, if it if it takes what they're doing there on these shows to do that every, you know, to, to get things back to normal, then so be it. But I thought it was really well put together. Um, I thought the fights, I think the fights were, were all pretty good, weren't they? They were, well, at least they were well matched beforehand. I think Fabio Wardley ended that a lot sooner than what people people thought he would. You know, it was a very good performance from him. I think he, he stood out, didn't he? Dalton Smith looked really, really good as well. Um, and also then the two the two main fights with, with um, James Tennyson and Gavin Quinn. And uh, Sam Eggington and, and Ted Cheeseman, they were they were decent fights as well. What was your thoughts on that headline fight between Sam Eggington and Ted Cheeseman? To be honest, um, I I I'd taken the family away. We were stopping in a hotel room, so I was watching um, I was watching it on Sky Go on my phone. So, it, like I, from what I saw of it on the small area the phone my, myself and my son were watching it we were under the the, the impression that the cheeseman had just nicked it um but if i watched it again I'm, i might change my mind but i just thought overall the first i thought cheeseman had the better of the first sort of five or six rounds not by a long way i thought eggenden came back into it but then i thought cheeseman finished finished strongly as well so um but as i say that's not a very confident vote because i was watching it on a screen about this big so uh no, that was good. And then obviously with the with the James Tennyson fight, you know, I think Gavin was always Gavin was always going to struggle against James Tennyson because um, you know, if you look if you look at the fight when Tennyson fought Craig Evans, Craig's got very good natural movement with his feet. He was able to sort of make Tennyson miss and, and knock up rounds, whereas with Gav, you know, he's a come for a come forward fighter himself. Okay, he's big for the weight, but I think he does lack that little bit of power and I think that's why Tennyson was just able to stay and get in his face and stay in his face without fear of any punches coming back. So he's a fearsome fighter of Tennyson, isn't he? And he's, he can punch and he's relentless with, with, his, um, with his pressure. Yeah, just to pick that back up there, Gary, um, we touched on this past weekend. So just to come back to, to this show, we mentioned you're at fight camp. You've just kind of checked in. You spent a few hours now at the hotel. So just talking about kind of the procedures you've gone through this morning and how you expect the rest of this week to play out for yourself and Nathan. Well, as I said, you know, um, like the show the other night, uh, Fight Camp 1, it, it was very well put together. And having come up here, we're stopping at the Fight Camp Hotel now in, in, in Brentford. And you can see how organised it is. Everything is, you know, with Matchroom, everything just runs, you know, perfectly. So we got up here. Uh, we were immediately met. What um, uh, We had to check in and then go straight for testing. Um, once tested, then the security guy then takes you up to your hotel room. So I feel like a child, you know, being uh, being told what to do. So you know, you, we can't come out of our hotel room now until the results. So results are not really likely to be before midnight. So we're looking at the morning now. But as I say, you know, you got to be shown where to go, what to do, where to park. Um, and like I said earlier, if that's what it takes to get things back to normal, then so be it. How are you looking to kind of try and? Um take up your time I've got as I said um, earlier I've, I've got a book I've got my phone and uh, I've got the TV there so um, I've been in worse places in my life uh, you know for, for longer periods of time so I'm sure I'll be okay uh, just to move away from from that fight just get your thoughts on the headlong fight there as well Tasha Jonas versus Terry Harper just what are your thoughts on that one Gary 
to be honest with you, I've not seen uh, um, a lot of Terry Harper at all. Um, I've seen a little bit of Natasha Jonas as a pro, and also um, I saw a little bit as an amateur. Um, I think that the phone book saying Terry Harper, I think well, from what I've seen, lots of people are saying Terry Harper, but um, it's something I couldn't really judge on because I've not really seen enough of, of either to, to, to judge, I'm sorry. So that's all right. Um, obviously, another man I wanted to get just kind of an update on is Jay Harris. How is Jay doing? He's very frustrated. Um, he's, he's, he's chomping at the bit. Um, MTK tried to get him on a bill, one of these bills that they're putting on in the next month. But, you know, it's an awkward way to fly weight. And obviously, obviously, it has to be a British opponent. So couldn't really find any ideal opponents. So I think Jay's going to have to wait till September, October time now. But, you know, that, that's, that's no stopping. You know, that's no, no holding him back. You know, I think he's proved in his last fight, that he belongs at world level. You know, that guy's the number one in the division and Jay gave him all he could handle and outboxed him for long periods. And even at the final bell, I don't think Martinez had quite figured Jay out. You know, he's, I always say the same, you know, he looks like, um, he looked like he'd, he'd blow away in a strong wind, doesn't he, Jay? But then you put him in, a, you put him in the ring and he's a ferocious little customer. So um, very proud. Of, um, of our journey together, you know, culminating in that world title shot. And I know he lost, but to us, to us, it was a win, really. I know that sounds daft, but, you know, from, from, the, from the start, he hasn't had things easy. And, um, you know, with, him, with that performance, even though he lost, people stood up and, you know, sat up and took notice. And I think hopefully, um, hopefully there's going to be good things come out of that now. I mean, it's obviously very difficult to say how the, the, the coming months or certainly the, maybe the next year or so will play out for Jay because of the, you know, the pandemic and what have you. But how does he kind of see himself manoeuvring towards another world title shot? Has he got a certain title in mind which he wants to kind of move towards? Well, if it was me, I mean, obviously WBO was vacant. I think, I think that's being fought for very soon though. I mean, the IBF, you know, the, the, the hold of the South African kiddies getting on a little bit. So for me, you know, I'd like to steer him towards the IBF. He has been IBF um, intercontinental champion. So that's not, uh, that's not, you know, undoable. But I think, you know, the, the, the way that we're planning it as a team, you know, we've spoken over with MTK and I think the way that we're planning it is that hopefully Jay goes in now to a, um, maybe either an intercontinental title fight or an eight rounder, and then hopefully gets a shot straight away off the back of that performance because as I say everybody knows how good he is and um, he's, he's still going to be rated as well so um, no I'm really really confident that Jay can be a world champion this year Gary just to move away from your fighters and just uh, you mentioned Enzo obviously earlier on when you are seeing him in the gym we've seen him you know kind of put some teaser tweets out that he has maybe been considering a, a little comeback for himself when you do see him in the gym do you see somebody who could make a return to the ring and if so what level do you feel he'd be able to operate at yeah listen you know there's, there's the old there's the old saying isn't there you know sparring and fighting are two completely different things and you know uh if if enzo's going to make a comeback you know we have spoken over you know, he's not he said in the past that he's not looking to to go into any world title fights or anything like that of course that's out of the question he hasn't boxed for four years but you know in my mind Enzo needs to come back just against the right opponent, you know, in, in a six-rounder and, and just see where things are. You know, for me, at this moment in time, it's his 50th fight. I think he should have one more fight and leave it there. 
Um, but, you know, I'm not Enzo. And, you know, if Enzo comes back and feels feels very happy with what the way he performed, we just know that he's going to want one more. Um, and that's, that's obviously a difficult de- decision then for myself and for him. But, you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, and the last time he boxed, it wasn't a great result. He got caught cold. So in that four years, he's not he's not gonna got any better than that, if you understand, because he's aged four years as well. But in answer to your question, in the gym, he looks as good as ever, you know. And that's why I said that it was a perfect sparring for for, for Nathan because Enzo was as good as what I saw four or five years ago. What does if if Enzo was to come back, and obviously you've had discussions with him. What does he want to, you know, come back for? Is there anything? Is it just to to have one more fight? Just because he's kind of, he's got, he's watching everybody week in week out, and he's got a bit of a desire back himself to get back in the ring. You know, what is he that he wants to come back for? Yeah, that's what you've got to understand. You know, like I never loved boxing when I when I was a pro. I never loved boxing. You know, Enzo is is in love with the sport still. He loves fighting. He loves training. He loves everything about it. I think he, I don't think he miss he ever misses a fight. So. I think for Enzo, um, he's had 49 fights. I think he had 50 amateur fights, and I think he's had 49 pro. I think I've got that right. So I think he wants to have his 50th pro fight. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's looking for a run or anything like that. He basically wants to have his 50th fight. So, as I said, though, knowing Enzo, <laughs> if he performs well, he's going to say, what do you think, coach? I look good then, didn't I? Perhaps, what about a 51st? So, yeah, that's, that's just the way Enzo is. Um, obviously, one of Enzo's previous opponents, Roy Jones Jr., he's actually returning to the ring. He'll be facing Mike Tyson later this year. Gary, just what are your thoughts on that? I haven't really got any thoughts, really. You know, I'd, um, I've got nothing really good to offer about that. Um, I don't think there can be any good come out of, a, out of a fight like that. I mean, if you look at Mike Tyson, the last time he fought, he got stopped by Kevin McBride. No disrespect to Kevin McBride. And I think that was 14, 15 years ago, something like that. Something, well, let's say it was 12 or 8, whatever it was. I think it was about 14, 15 years ago. He hasn't got any better since then, you know. And, and everybody, all these sort of wannabe, uh, not wannabe, all the sort of guys who just don't really understand boxing, basically say he looks better than ever. Well, I could make you look brilliant on the pants. You know, I could make anybody look brilliant on the pants. You know, and Mike Tyson is a is a an explosive, aggressive fighter. So you know, when he starts letting his shots go, whether he be twenty or whether he be fifty, he's going to look impressive. But when he gets in when he gets in the ring with someone hitting him back and someone avoiding the shots, it's going to be a completely different thing. But then, Roy Jones, for instance, you know, he was way past his best a long time ago as well. And with Roy, it's, it's very sad to me, for, for me to watch because I saw him as a 19-year-old win Olympic silver, Rob Blind in the final. And then I was obviously in the corner with Enzo when Enzo um, KO'd him in, in Moscow. It was quite sad to see because he looked old then. And that was that's near five years ago. So, again, it's like I keep saying, they're not going to have got any better since then because they've aged. So... It's not really a nice thing. And will I be watching? Certainly not. Gary, you obviously just, as we've, well, sorry, as we've touched on it, you, you mentioned it, obviously, the Enzo and the Roy fight. Something I've always kind of wanted to, to go back over with either yourself or Enzo. Just what are your kind of your memories of that night? What, what, what did that mean for yourself and for, for Enzo? 
Well, to be honest, it was it was a it was a great trip. You know, we had such a laugh. Um, just just so many incidents, um, and obviously, you know, Roy Roy is a, a living legend. You know, a multiple weight world champion, and I think Frank Warren managed to sort of talk them into the fight by by offering by offering the slight lie that Enzo was completely shot, and um, they accepted it. Because I think originally it was supposed to be for the WBA regular, but then um, they had a press conference, and then the WBA immediately refused to sanction it. I think at that point, I think at that point the promoter basically should have said, "Well, look, if it's not for a world title, it doesn't need to be Enzo because Enzo's far too dangerous for a for your debut on Russian soil." Uh, but they stuck with Enzo, and I think it was the biggest mistake they ever did. And uh, you know, in, in four rounds, and he was he was out of there. And, uh, but, it was, but great memories. Obviously, we've heard some of the stories of what you guys kind of had to cope with throughout that week. Do you want to just share them for everybody who will listen in? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a basic outline um, because I think when, if Enzo writes a book, I think he wants to put it in the book. He wants to put the full no-hold-barred version in there. I mean, look, obviously, uh, there were, were Hell's Angels involved in the running of this event. Um, and suffice to say they weren't pleased and they wondered why this had happened because it was all set up for Enzo to sorry it was all set up for Roy to to win impressively uh, and earn and earn those guys perhaps quite a bit of money and suffice to say it didn't go to plan and um, we had a little bit of trouble after uh, there were a couple of guys taken away we didn't know if they were coming back one of them wasn't me, thank goodness. Um, but no, um, it was all okay in the end. And we got back to the hotel and we had a, a little bit of a party. And uh, that's all I'll, I'll really say on the matter because I don't really want to give the game away. I think Enzo tells it a little bit more um, graphic than me, but it, uh, we can laugh about it now. But at the time, it was quite a scary, uh, quite a scary um, situation, you know. Well, I can imagine so. Well, Gary, obviously, I appreciate your time today. I'm sure you'll you'll be, I say you'll be thankful. I'm thankful for giving you giving up some time. But hopefully, I've been able to take up a bit of your boredom that you may have from just obviously waiting for your results to come back and what have you. Best of luck with kind of the rest of this week and obviously fight night. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Hey, hey top man, a pleasure.